The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show. All righty, welcome to it. It is Monday, Monday back. Employment Law Show. John Scholes here. John Pickus on the other side. Uh, right there, partner Sam Firu to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in this fine country of ours. How about that? Reaching out anytime to John and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Email address we use. They use help at employmentlawyer.ca. And I'll give you something else. Even before you make that phone call, you want to brush up on your employment law knowledge, no problem. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Enrolled into that website is the old trusty severance pay calculator. That will lead you to the correct number, the correct amount of severance you are owed if it comes down that you lose your job. It's not what your neighbor Steve says or the Ministry of Labor. No, no, no. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Find the severance calculator. Punch in about uh, 10 seconds of information. It's going to take you to uh, open that sucker up and use it, and you'll get a number at the end. But there you go. We will get to a couple things that we got time tonight. Everything you need to know about wrongful dismissal. And if we have time, you may have been constructively dismissed if we get to those talking points as well. But we always start off with a one-two punch of the uh, the week that was. John, how are you, pal? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, John. And, and actually, before we get into the week that was, uh, mm-hmm. just a quick update on uh, vaccination uh, issues for wrongful dismissal cases. Uh, still, uh, the calls continue to pour yep. into our office about individuals who have been uh, terminated for cause um, and there, there seems to be uh, sort of this growing chatter that because of these uh, arbitration decisions, which have upheld policies, that um, that somehow that's uh, been denying these wrongful dismissal cases, and that really could not be farther from the truth. Uh, it's important for employees to know this. It is equally important for employers to do to know this. Um, if you are an employer uh, and you are terminating your employee uh, for non-compliance with a vaccination. Uh, policy, and uh, particularly if you are alleging just cause or putting them on an unpaid leave, you are exposing yourself, you're exposing the company to a wrongful dismissal claim. Employers are not getting the message about this. Uh, they're continuing to do it. Um, and so that's that's a very important thing for mm-hmm. people to know. But as you said, jumping right into the week that was, uh, and, and brace yourself, John, because uh, the first one's a little bit of a longer one. Uh, okay. Who would have thought a long week that was from John Pinkus, right? But here we go. Uh, <laughs> first issue I want to discuss uh, relates to an individual who worked uh, in the aerospace industry uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, and he worked his way up the ladder from technician uh, to supervisor, all the way up to managing a pretty large department. He was promoted to to this uh, manager position a few years ago, got a pretty large increase in pay and a big increase in responsibilities. So he's sitting on on management meetings. He's making decisions on hiring and firing. He's making operational decisions, budgeting decisions. So it's it's a pretty prestigious role. Well, that was until early January of this year. In early January of this year, a new director comes in and decides they didn't agree with the way he was managing the department and wanted to hire someone external with an MBA who didn't come with all the bad habits that uh, this person was perceived to have. So you might be thinking at this point, well, okay, I guess they'll terminate him and offer him a severance package. But no, the company wasn't interested in doing that. Instead, they held a meeting with him at the beginning of the year and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Your new title is going to be department leader. 
you're going to be reporting to this new individual who's being hired as the new department manager. And the new department manager was going to have almost all of his old responsibilities. So he was no longer in senior management meetings. He's no longer making decisions about budgeting, about operations. And he basically has the duties of his last position um, as supervisor. The only difference was that he still had his pay as manager um, uh, and he had his uh, this new title. Otherwise, he was pretty much a supervisor all over again. Right. Uh, well, after a week or two in this new arrangement, he came to me and the first thing he said is, Okay, you need to make a decision. I, I said, I said, do you want to stay in this position or do you want to leave? And he says, no, this is humiliating. My subordinates won't even listen to me anymore. They simply go over my head to the new department manager. My whole role's been usurped. My career is ruined with this company. I barely have anything to do all day. I'm going to leave my job. So it's at that point I said, okay, well now then is the time uh, for us to leave, leave, for you to leave, leave the right way, and start a claim for constructive dismissal to seek your full severance entitlements. So he's left his position. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Cool. A few lessons for employees here. So first of all, if you're in a position and you're not sure whether you want to stay, you have to make that decision pretty quickly. Not necessarily in a day, not necessarily in a week, but certainly within the first couple of weeks, right? If this individual had waited months upon months and months, continued to work in this new position without protest, the company mm-hmm. would have argued that he acquiesced to it. And that's not something you want to be dealing with because it risks your case for constructive dismissal. Um the other thing here to remember is that this person uh, made his decision in the right order. You know, First, he decided to leave, and then he decided to bring a claim for constructive dismissal, and he spoke with an employment lawyer before he did anything. That's the way to do it, to ensure you don't make a mistake, and that you can't, uh, one that you can't take back later, like prematurely leaving uh, or resigning. We'll get to John's second matter here in just a minute, but I want to bounce over to a call in between. Jimmy, thanks for hanging on for a few minutes. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind tonight? So I work for a restaurant. I'm mm-hmm. a server at that restaurant, and uh, we pay into a tip-out pool yeah. for that restaurant. Um, now, we know that not the entire pool is going to the kitchen staff and the hostess. Just wondering if that is legal. Um, so there are... Um there are certain rules um, under the Employment Standards Act uh, for pooling of tips. Uh, there are provisions where uh, employees' tips are collected and uh, redistributed to some or all employees. So sometimes mm-hmm. tips are from one employee to another employee, um, usually by way of a, a contribution. So um, you can you can actually look up examples of how that works um, in uh, the Ministry of Labor's website. Um, and if that's uh, of concern, and you're reading that website, it says, "Well, this is how this is this is looking like it's uh, like they're doing like they're not following these rules, or you're concerned about them following those rules." This is actually one of those instances where it would be appropriate to contact the Ministry of Labor. You know, we usually say that's not the place to go uh, when you're talking about severance, but for an issue like uh, improper uh, pooling of tips, uh, Employment Standards Act uh, and the Ministry of Labor uh, is your go-to. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate that. If you have any other concerns, you can uh, call John anytime, 1-855-821-5900, and it'll be uh, Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Good evening. Hi, good evening. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. What's going on? Um, I have a bit of a tricky situation, and I'm trying to be delicate about it, Um, so please bear with me. Basically, Mm -hmm. my role is as a essential worker, and I understand that um, as an essential frontline worker, you're dealing with people that have difficulties um, communicating and um, have their own, you know, baggage that they're carrying and issues and whatnot. But I feel like um, 
I'm dealing with some clients that are particularly abusive verbally, specifically, and um, constantly sending me information and whatnot that is attacking and uh, demeaning. And I don't know if there's a line that needs to be drawn or how that line should be drawn. Um, if it's up to the employer or if it's up to me, um, I guess I just find that I'm, I'm having right. a whole time with that, you know, dealing with that type of point. And I don't know how I should approach it. Well, um, you know what, that's, that, that is a very difficult situation. I know this can be a, a thankless job that uh, often uh, doesn't get the uh, recognition that it, that it should with all the difficulties that you're dealing with. Um, <clears throat> now, to a certain extent, there's a certain amount of, um, not abuse, but um, let's say, call it stressful situations that are, are to be expected with the job. Um, but your employer also has the obligation to maintain a health, uh, maintain a health and safe work environment. So if it gets to the point where it is actually impacting your health, um, there's a few things that you can do. The first thing, of course, is to speak with your employer, and, and I would do it in writing. I'd say, um, you know, maybe you can do it verbally first, and then you can you can summarize it in an email after. Say, look, this is my concern. I don't think this is, this is safe for me. I don't think this is safe for the for the clients I'm dealing with. Um, <clears throat> and if that goes nowhere, then you have the mm -hmm. opportunity to actually get the Ministry of Labor involved and get an occupational. Um, health and safety officer there to inspect it and, and decide what the situation, decide whether changes need to be made to support you. Okay. Um, and if if all of that fails and that's going nowhere or, the, you know, they decide it is a safe work environment, it's just a part of the job, um, then the other thing to do is to talk to your doctor about maybe this is a time to take a medical leave. Maybe it's had such an impact on your health that it's not safe for you to personally be working there uh, right. at, the, at the current moment. And, and at that point, you know, if you want to talk about next steps and where to take your employment, then you'll at least have the breathing room and the space to, you know, give us a call and then we can think about what your options might be at that point. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate that. And here's how you're going to reach out to John if uh, if you'd prefer that or like to. Anyway, if you need to, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Email address and one 855 821 Let's get to your uh, second week that was before we take a, take a break in a minute or two. Uh, John, what do you got? Okay, I promise this one's shorter, John. Ah. So <laughs> the second situation involved a uh, surprisingly common scenario. Uh, this was a, a young woman who worked for a company for five years um, who took a maternity leave. Well, four months into the maternity leave, oops, we're going to be restructuring. And actually, we're not going to have your job, so we're letting you go at the end of your leave. You know, this is a really, really unfortunate situation. It's just maddening for this person. You know, what do I do? She says, you know, I'm caring for my child. I have to look for a job. I'm not going to get EI at the end of my leave now because I won't have the requisite insurable hours. It's just a, it's just a terrible, terrible situation. The good news, for what it's worth, is that the courts recognize that this is a terrible situation and consistently award greater severance packages to employees who are let go in the midst of pregnancy or in the midst of a maternity leave. So we're going to be working with her to get help her get a better severance package, and her entitlements are going to be very significant here. There's also potentially some additional compensation she is owed uh, because, of course, the company cannot decide before her maternity leave is over that they don't have a job unless they can prove with absolute certainty they know her job won't exist at that time. So there's a lot to be said here. And as uh, I think uh, Lior always says, uh, and as I say too, you don't mess with mama. And this is why. That's exactly what, and one day it's going to be on a mug, I swear. Let's take yeah. a, a short break, get back to more. We're going to get into our topic of the evening. More Employment Law Show is on the way.
are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. And there you go. Not sure if we're going to rock it like a hurricane, but we got some answers as far as you know, employment law is concerned. Lots to get through. And we're going to start with this uh, first topic, John, uh, everything you need to know about wrongful dismissal. First question, obvious one, what is a wrongful dismissal? So technically a wrongful dismissal is the failure to give proper notice or pay in lieu of notice, what we often hmm. call severance, right? So it's basically... Uh, the failure to either give you enough advance notice that your job is ending or to pay you a big enough severance package. Um, in many cases, it's a it's a temporary layoff or a cause allegation. It's failure to pay any severance at all. Now, this doesn't mean uh, that the employer um, uh, has no reason to fire you. They may have a reason to fire you, um, but they do not have... Um, we do not have to keep you employed no matter what. So you don't have a right to your job. A lot of people think that a wrongful dismissal means, well, I was let go uh, without a reason or without a good reason. Um, right. And that's not a wrongful dismissal. Wrongful dismissal means um, that they haven't paid you enough, generally speaking, because an employer can fire you for almost any reason, no. unless it's discriminatory or reprisal under a statute. You know, they can't fire you for taking a parental leave or asking for overtime. You know, but unless you are in a, a unionized position or, you know, you're a tenured professor, you, you really don't have any right to keep your job. Um, so they have to, uh, what they have to do is they have to give you an opportunity to find another job. And when they do that, they have to pay you based on all parts of your compensation. So we're looking at your salary, benefits, yeah, if you have commissions, if you have bonuses, that's all part of it. So sometimes I talk to people who they, they have a, a severance package that is notionally eight months, but actually when you add it up, it's only worth two months pay because mm. a lot of this is missing. Right. So how do I know? How does anybody know when they've been wrongfully dismissed? The only way to really know for sure is to speak to an employment lawyer. Right. Start at the severance pay calculator. Uh, start at the pocket uh, employment lawyer. You can look that up online. Those are great free free tools. Ultimately, you want to give us a call. You want to speak with an employment lawyer. We'll look at your entitlements. We'll look at what you've been offered. We'll see how much uh, differences, uh, how much difference there are, and and uh, what we're looking at in terms of uh, how much you've been shorted, and probably you have been shorted. Uh, but you do not want to go to the Ministry of Labor. You don't want to ask neighbor Joe. You don't want to ask neighbor Google. You want to speak to a lawyer, and not just any lawyer, but someone who has expertise in employment law. By the way, you can speak to one right now for the remainder of the show. John standing by, of course, 416-870-6400, talking about everything you need to know about wrongful dismissals. Uh, as far as how common they are, what do you say? Well, they're very, very common. Uh, the vast majority of severance packages that I see are inadequate. And you know the reasons are actually not surprising at all. If you think about it from the employer's perspective, it is perfectly logical for an employer to offer um, a crummy severance package. Because if an employer has to, particularly if they have to let go a lot of people at the same time, uh, and they offer 10 crummy severance packages, mm -hmm. and uh, even one of them accepts that uh, low severance package, they've saved lots of money, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And if multiple people have done it, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it's also common for just cause terminations, because most... Uh, 
uh, termination uh, allegations of just cause are not valid. You know, you haven't performed well enough or, you know, we think you had some kind of outburst at work because you got in an argument with someone. Uh, most, the vast, vast majority of allegations for just cause that I have, even if the employer can prove uh, that what they're alleging is true, which often they can't, um, are not going to be enough to to justify not paying severance unless the employer employee has done something egregious like major dishonesty or fraud or yeah. theft. Even if you've done something wrong, the employer likely still owes you severance. So why do employers allege it? Well, they do it because some people just walk away. They get intimidated and they just walk away, and that's not the that's unfortunate. There's also, I guess it wouldn't be with a very large, sophisticated employer, like a multinational or big company, but smaller employers, it might not be on purpose. They may not know that they're doing something incorrect, right? You know, that's a totally fair point. And I, I speak with a lot of those small employers, and I can tell you that many of them genuinely do not know. They don't do it because they are they have any ill intent or because they're being malicious. They just do it. They said, well, you know, we, we terminated this employee and we looked it up on uh, Employment Standards and Employment Standards Act says we have to pay them eight weeks. So that's what we did. What's wrong? Uh -huh. um, so it's it's and that's so that's a very fair point, John. It's not always calculated. Sometimes it's, it's just uh, pure innocent ignorance. You know, you, you mentioned it's it's the, the best way to take care of it, really. I mean, yeah, sure, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is a great resource for reading up on this. It's a, it's a trustworthy resource. But you said, you know, truly you want to get a hold of an employment lawyer. If they don't like you, they can call someone else, but you're always available. So that makes you think how difficult it, is it to resolve a wrongful dismissal matter? You know what? In all honesty, it does vary depending on the nature and complexity of the matter. Yeah. But typically, in the vast majority of cases, Wrongful dismissal matters can usually be resolved in a matter of months, in some cases in a matter of weeks. Um, now, some individuals uh, come to us thinking this is a, a process like a family law claim or a state dispute or something where it's going to take years and years to resolve. This is not the case for wrongful dismissal matter. There's really no justification for those kinds of matters to take that long because they typically are straightforward and they should be resolved and and in the vast majority of cases 99 percent of these probably um never see the light of day in court because they they resolve i'll give you one more on this one that is okay you've been let go possibly wrongfully dismissed maybe you've heard the show and you're thinking wow what do i do what should i do what do you do <laughs> well the biggest thing uh, to know is what not to do okay so the <laughs> yeah. first thing you want to not do don't sign because once you sign, Correct. you cannot take it back. Um, usually, you know, if you've, you've been given a deadline, a, a deadline of one week is very typical. Um, but unless you're going to accept that severance package, that deadline is not going to matter at all. So if you think you may need an extension, you can ask for one. But typically, we're going to be able to speak with you before that deadline. So you're going to be able to make a decision. So you don't have to worry about that. Uh, speak with us. Do not sign. Don't be pressured. Um, then you want to maybe think about going on the severance pay calculator, pocket employment lawyer. And number one of all, uh, of all, talk to an employment lawyer. Send us an email. Give us a call. We'll set up a, a consultation. We'll walk you through your situation. There might be other outstanding issues we need to talk about. You might have outstanding wages, an outstanding bonus. You might have a human rights claim. We can go over all of it. Uh, make sure you do it quickly, uh, not because of the deadline in your termination letter, but because you you know, you know do have deadlines two years yeah. from the date that you get your notice to, to, to do anything about it. But uh, again, do not sign. Do not start a claim with the Ministry of Labor because if you do these things, these are problems we may not be able to fix. Move on to some other stuff. But first and always priority is the phone call. Don, thanks for hanging on. How are you? 
Hey, I'm well, guys. Thank you for taking my call. You uh, you actually just touched on my uh, my question just a moment ago. I understand if you begin a, a claim with the Ministry of Labor that that often foreclose or, uh, uh, precludes you from getting uh, legal advice or uh, things like that afterwards. Um, and I guess I'm wondering why it is. What, uh, I guess why it is that way, and also why is the government not obliged to tell you that when you uh, begin making an inquiry? Mm. Well, these are all excellent questions, Don. So let, let me start um, at, at the beginning, because you mentioned that uh, when you begin a claim with the Ministry of Labor, um, I think you said it precludes you from doing anything else, including getting legal advice. So n no one can ever preclude you from getting legal advice. You can always get legal advice. What a claim with the Ministry of Labor um, can do is it can prevent us from being able to do anything about it, right? So we could tell you, you've got, you know, you've got an entitlement to 18 months pay, but you've, you know, you have a claim with the Ministry of Labor. Um, so uh, because of that, um, you're actually, um, you know, you're only, uh, you can only claim the, the amount under the Employment Standards Act, which might be eight weeks pay, right? Which would be really unfortunate. Now, that being said, I have had people, and this is very important for anyone who's just recently started a claim at the Ministry of Labor. They've just started their claim at the Ministry of Labor. It hasn't been investigated. It has there there hasn't or there hasn't been a final decision reached. What we do is I get involved and right away the first thing we do is we pull that claim so we can start a civil claim. And I have done that successfully. So if you've started a claim and you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? Give us a call and let's fix it before it's too late. Because sometimes even if you started a claim, us uh, often we can we can still do something about it. And and I have done something. That being said, best best uh, practice of course is don't start anything uh, unless you spoke with us now your second question why is it this way well the reason it's this way is because um the way the law works is you have to pick a forum right so if you want to go after your uh go after a human rights claim for example you can attach a human rights claim to a civil claim or you can go to the human rights tribunal you cannot do both because you can't have parallel proceedings in two different venues. Uh, I mean, for one thing, you can't have two decisions that reach opposite conclusions, right? So um, there is a provision in the Employment Standards Act um, in 97, uh, Section 97, which says that you have to choose. You have to decide, are you going to do a civil claim? Or are you going to do an employment standards claim? It's totally up to you, but you have to make a decision. You have to do one or the other so we don't have um, multiple proceedings for the same claim. All right. Appreciate it. More than you asked for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it, pal. And uh, to move on with John, you could do that uh, anytime you like for that robust answer. To get even more robust, here's how you do it. one 821 5900 don or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Before we move on to our next topic, I want to get a uh, an email in here. Uh, John from Jasmine says, hey, John, I've been employed at a company for 12 years they uh, they just told me that they're shutting down the business and only have to pay me eight weeks because they have a small payroll. Is that true? Do I have any recourse? Yeah. So this is um, this can be um, a, a little bit confusing for people uh, because we often use the word severance uh, to talk about your global entitlement to uh, to to payment after you've been terminated without cause and there is a term called statutory severance which applies to only larger businesses that have a global payroll of over two and a half million dollars so 
Um, that's what the employer is referring to here. Fortunately, um, for the vast majority of people, that's going to make no difference whatsoever. So fortunately, you are still likely entitled to your full common law entitlements, which means that we don't care about the, the size of their payroll. All we care about are the things that you look at the, at the uh, severance pay calculator. What's your age? What's your position? Right. What's your length of service? And what are anything else that may hinder your, your ability to find a new job? Those are things we care about. And so you may in, in, end up being entitled to 12 months pay. So that's, that's the big difference between minimum and full entitlements. And by the way, the severance pay calculator, John, just mentioned, can be found pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Okay, let's move on. You may have been constructively dismissed if, number one, your employer changed your compensation or salary. How about that? Yeah, yeah, this is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. If there's a major change to your compensation, that may give you the right to full severance. But remember, this is contextual. There's no set rule. you got to speak to an employment lawyer. That being said, if there's any change in your compensation, uh, often we look at, at, at a rough range of kind of 10% or higher. That's certainly when I start to, to see red flags. That's where it can start to be constructive dismissal. It's a very minor change, 1% or 2%, probably not a constructive dismissal. Situation's going to differ from case to case, right? We're going to look at things like, is the compensation change permanent? Uh, has your compensation uh, fluctuated in the past? Have you agreed that it can fluctuate? Uh, was this compensation change arbitrary or punitive? And, and you know, sometimes the loss of compensation is not just a loss in salary. It can be a loss of commissions. It can be a loss of a company vehicle, a loss of an allowance or a pension. Uh, it's typically not a loss of group benefits if that's all mm-hmm. you've lost. Uh, but uh, if, if things are changing and they're changing for the worst, this is the time to give us a call because if you're constructively dismissed, you're owed the same severance as everybody else. That's right. Don't wait to at least have a conversation with uh, with John and his team. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to do that. Uh, may have been constructively dismissed if your employer moved your workplace to a new location. Break that down for me. Yeah. So this is a tricky one, and it really is going to depend on the circumstances. But right. if you know, if you're talking about a significant move, uh, you know, like you know, you're rich, working in Richmond Hill, and you're moving to Thunder Bay, <laughs> that's probably going to be a constructive dismissal. Uh, if you know if it's something might like uh, well you're you're in downtown Toronto now you're going to be in midtown Toronto well that that might not be <laughs> a constructive dismissal um, you know maybe maybe your restaurant's not nearby but that's that's not going to be enough we we'll have to mm-hmm. be talking about a major major change. Um, but it doesn't have to be necessarily the Richmond Hill to Thunder Bay. You know, sometimes people have smaller changes. Sometimes it might be from Richmond Hill to Markham to Richmond Hill to downtown Toronto. Because if your commute right. has gone from one hour to three hours, uh, then that could be a constructive dismissal in the right circumstance. You know, there's a big question here. Have you been subject to transfers before? Uh, often that's dealt with the employment agreement. So again, that's another reason to have your employment agreement reviewed because you might be agreeing at the beginning of your employment contract that you could be transferred anywhere. So you have to watch out for that. But at the end of the day, we're going to look at context. So if it's not addressed in the employment contract, uh, what, how, how big a distance of it, how much time is going to be added? Uh, does your spouse work? Is that going to force your spouse to quit? Do you have children going to school who are going to be affected? Are you getting a vehicle allowance or gas allowance? Is it going to be right. an equivalent position? So there's so many questions we have to go through. But yeah, I mean, this is a red flag and this is something to talk about. It's interesting, isn't it, uh, in, in this particular context? It's, it's kind of more of a matter of how it affects the individual. It's a matter of how much time, I guess, is involved. I mean, if you and I lived beside each other we had this you know we worked in the same workplace and i drove to work you took you know three buses because i don't like it so i don't give you a ride but and you know and they moved the and they moved the plant or whatever you know 
three kilometers. Now your 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 commute has increased by forty five minutes. Mine's increased by ten minutes. It, it wouldn't affect me, but it affects you. So it depends on the person, right? Yeah, it affects the. It depends on the person, and let's mm-hmm. remember that employers they know where you live, right? You've you've given them your address, so it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a surprise to them that things these things are going to uh, impact right. you. And I think when this is where this is going to be really interesting is we're going to have we have a lot of people who are now being hired on remote work arrangements, right? They're yes. working from home, and uh, it it certainly can be constructive dismissal if you were hired under a remote work arrangement. And all of a sudden, the employer decides, actually, you know what? COVID is done. We'd like to have you in the office now. So we're giving you notice. We'd like to have you in the office. I, I've dealt with that issue uh, a lot pre-COVID. And I think there's going to be, um, you know, once these vaccination cases, uh, uh, this wave of vaccination cases is over, I think that's the next wave that's coming. So uh, we'll see. Now, that's a different story, kind of branching out of what you just said there for a moment. That's a different story if you've you know historically been going to the office, say, three, four, five days a week. And because of COVID now, you've been working from home. You know, you sold the house. You moved up to north of Innisfil. It's like, oh, no, what do you mean I got to go back downtown on, on Monday? They can do that because there was a history of you previously being at home, right? The rule is different. You're absolutely right. Yes, that's different. So the vast majority of people that you have working remotely right now are working remotely because of COVID. If it becomes safe for those employees to return to the office and they are called back to the office and they don't want to go to the office, well, at that point, you're pretty much, your your choices are you go back or you resign. That's pretty much it at that point because it was a term of your job that you have to go in the office. And and this is still has to be considered uh, temporary. It's going to be interesting to see how long this goes on for, um, but the employer does have a right to recall you. That's the, you know, that's the way you started. You may have been constructively dismissed if your work environment has become, quote-unquote, poisoned and your employer, they're not doing anything about it. Yeah, these ones these ones are really, really tough. And I have to say, and, and I always tell this to people who come to me with poison work environment cases, um, this is the most difficult kind of constructive dismissal. And I would say it's uh, the, the type of constructive dismissal that is uh, least often pursued. Um, and, and that is for good reason, because it, it really is reserved <clears throat> for the most extreme cases. Typically, an employee's got to show that you've made a complaint either to the manager, uh, to human resources, and if those options don't exist, perhaps the owner, given the employer an opportunity for, uh, for them to investigate it. And if they refuse to deal with it or haven't dealt with it adequately, um, you need to show that the work environment was so extreme that no reasonable person could be expected to stay in that job. So what's really important to know is that having a bad boss or bad coworkers usually not going to be enough. Having stress and anxiety in the workplace, well, certainly a serious issue that you have to take seriously, that is not going to be enough uh, either. You have to you have to show that it was just a completely unreasonable place for you to be. And that's not to say that these cases cannot be constructive dismissals. I've, I've certainly had some come across my desk that absolutely are, but it has to be very extreme. And you definitely, definitely do not want to leave or think about leaving uh, until you've had an in-depth discussion with an employment lawyer. You may have been constructively dismissed if you were demoted or had responsibilities taken away. Yeah, well, I mean, we uh, listened to that example I gave at the top of the hour for whoever was listening. That was a perfect example of that. And I I see this all the time. At any given moment, I typically have at least a few uh, cases where an individual has been demoted. So it's it's not just about your responsibilities changing. It's about the nature of your responsibilities changing, right? So if you go from a manager to a non-manager, a CEO to a supervisor, things that 
lower your prestige in the organization and, and or lower your, your status and the kinds of things that you do. Uh, so we look at things like, uh, is your position being taken over by your superior or another employee? Is someone being hired to take your job? Um, and uh, are you being given a, a lot of additional responsibilities? You have a lot of responsibilities being taken away. But just like the example we talked about earlier with the forced transfer, this can be impacted by an employment agreement. So you got to watch out. If you, say, if you sign an employment agreement that says you agree that your responsibilities may change, that's not necessarily going to be fatal to your case because employers still have to act within good reason and in good faith. Um, but if that's something you're concerned about, you want to deal with it at the beginning, not not midway through the employment relationship. Does that qualify even if it's a, it's a matter of, say, as you said, prestige or status, but your your pay is not affected? You're still making the same coin. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the law oh. is very clear about this. Uh, an employer has to act in, in good faith. Um, and so even if the pay is unchanged, and let's say even if you've signed an employment agreement, then you've already signed it that says your responsibilities may change. If they've, if they've taken you into a position that was totally not contemplated, but right. like the example I gave at the top of the hour, right, where the pay was completely the same and they, you know, they give you a nice title, uh, that's, that's still going to be a constructive dismissal in many cases. You want to talk to an employment lawyer before you make that decision. Um, but don't think that just because your pay hasn't changed uh, that you have no recourse. That's still a reason to talk to us. Let's get to one more of these. You may have been constructively dismissed if you were put on a temporary layoff. Right. Well, this is the big one. It's still continuing. Yep. All you know, we talk about people who've been on a temporary layoff for almost two, uh, well, close to next month. It'll be two years for many of these people, and then over the next couple months, which is just crazy to think about, right? But the truth of the matter is, even if it is a shorter layoff, unless you've agreed to it in writing, unless you've consented to it expressly, a layoff is a termination, and that's true. Even though the Employment Standards Act permits it, your entitlements depend on your contract. So if you've been on a temporary layoff and if you're one of those people that have been just left in the lurch over the last 23 months, 22 months, please, please give us a call before you run out of time to do something about it. And we'll get this in with our last minute or two. And this is Christine. She just she just said this. She goes, okay, John, so how long does a layoff have to be before it's a constructive dismissal? There is no set time. And in fact, there's one example where an individual was on a layoff for three and a half weeks, three and a half weeks, less than a wow. month. And that was a constructive dismissal. And that that's coming right from uh, the Ontario courts. So there is certainly no minimum time period. If it's not permitted under your contract, you didn't consent to it, it's a termination. John Pincus is your guy partner, Sam Firu, Tamark, and LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the land. Feel free to reach out. You can do so anytime, 1-855-821-5900. His staff is ready to take care of you. The email address we always go to, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And even before that phone call, 1-855-821-5900, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. As we mentioned, severance pay calculator is there, information about your employment law rights, and then there is contact if you choose to do so. If not, it's anonymous, and you can uh, just shut down your browser and walk away, which we will do for now back in here Wednesday evening, but do not move a muscle. On Point is coming right back. Our good pal, Alex Pearson, stick around. It's coming right back after a short break. And we'll catch you next time in the Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. 